0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the latest episode of the Quartelinius podcast, your home for all things English language, Portuguese football content. Uh, I'm your host, Zach Lowy, the co-creator of Breaking the Lines, here today with a special friend and guest, uh, João Nuno Sousa, who joins us from Lisboa, Portugal. How are you doing today, João?
1: It's a pleasure to be here. Actually, I'm in Famalicão now, my hometown. Ah. Uh, yeah, I'm here for, for the holidays, obviously. Uh,
0: but yeah, I'm very grateful to be here. Gotcha, okay. Glad you could uh, return to the best city in Portugal. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, you know it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, um, you know, really excited to have you on. have had a lot of special guests over the past few weeks. I'm very excited to have a special friend like João on today's podcast. Got a lot to discuss, both in terms of uh, league action, managerial sackings, uh, as well as Tasa de Portugal. But uh, we're going to start off with the... We're, we're going to go and, and talk about the first uh, match of the latest match day in in Liga, in the Primera Liga. So we saw a pretty interesting uh, match day on, on Friday. It's kicking off on Friday. Uh, with round 15. saw so Santa Clara go up against Vitoria de Guimaraes and Estorio Praia going up against Romalicau. Obviously, uh, João being probably the most vocal Romalicau fan on Twitter, we are going to discuss Romalicau's situation. But I want to kick off this podcast by talking a little bit about Santa Clara. Um, Santa Clara, it's been a pretty crazy season for them. First, you know, going back to May. Uh, qualifying for European football for the first time in their history, finishing sixth in the league. Then we saw various key departures. Uh, Fabio Cardoso moving to Porto, um, taking a big, big defensive leader out of their team. Carlos Jr., their all-time leading scorer, going to the Middle East. Jaramaso uh, Morita almost being sold to Fenerbach as well. And, and, of course, Daniel Ramos, their manager, Leaving uh, after accepting another lucrative offer in the Middle East, so three big members of that team that sealed European football leaving. uh, Nuno Campos, who has has previously worked as Paulo Fonseca's assistant, uh, taking over for Daniel Ramos. Nuno Campos only lasted, I believe, nine games before being sacked, and uh, you know, unfortunate for him. I do think that. It, it's one of those things where there's there's a lot of problems with the club. You know, Santa Clara, I think, will be lucky to avoid relegation this season. And yet, uh, at, at the end of the day, the manager is always going to be the first one to take that blame. You know, so Nuno Campos uh, being stacked after a 4-1 loss to Maricimo. And then uh, we saw it's a few, a few changes going on with... Uh, Tiago Manuel Tavares de Sousa, I believe, taking over as Santa Clara manager um, and, and leading them to a one-nothing victory over Vitoria de Guimaraes. So we saw in, in the same week and this is you know during a season where Santa Clara have been very poor, Santa Clara qualifying to the Taza de Liga semifinals for the first time in club history, uh, defeating Vitória de Guimaraes via a goal from Rui Costa. It was a bit funny because Rui Costa, the Santa Clara striker, uh, scored just a few minutes, I believe, after Rui Costa scored in a legends-friendly between Portugal <laughs> and Spain. So kind of a funny detail. <laughs> um, but, you know, Santa Clara, probably, arguably their best performance of the season, picking up a, a one nothing victory against the Vitoria de Guimaraes side that, you know, apart from a few uh, embarrassing defeats against the big three... Have been generally solid um, with their new manager Peppa, and you know, taking a victory uh, via uh, some some big performances. Lincoln, a guy we've talked about a lot, getting an assist. Rui Costa getting a goal. Talk to me a little bit about this uh, win for, for for Santa Clara. Where do you see them going under their new manager?
1: Um, yeah, I agree with you. I think they'll be they'll be happy if they escape relegation this season. Uh, I think they they struggled a lot. I mean, obviously uh, after losing players like Fabio Cardozo, for example, uh, like Carlos Junior in the middle of the playoff, their manager Daniel Ramos was doing an excellent job. Um, well, uh, it's safe to say that they felt that. So um, it's actually surprising that they, they've they managed to bounce back after sacking their manager, Nuno Campos. Uh, they still have very good players in their squad. As you mentioned, uh, Lincoln, for example, is one of the best midfielders in the league, in my opinion. Uh, they have Prisand, Rui Costa up front, who are... Um, Brilliant goal scorers. have uh, scored a lot of goals this season. will score even more, in my opinion. Uh, they also have I- Idemaza Morita. You can't really uh, talk about Santa Clara without mentioning him. Uh, let's see uh, whether or not he'll stay for uh, that long. Because, obviously, at the end of the season, the situation in Santa Clara was uh, so much brighter. And uh, you could see uh, Morita wanting to stay. But... At the moment, uh, as Santa Clara is in such a low position, uh, let's see if he still wants in or if he wants out. Because if he wants to leave, I think it's fair to him. I mean, he's uh, he's at a very high level considering the team he plays for. Um, So it's absolutely uh, legitimate if he wants a move to a bigger league because obviously uh, he will get offers from the the bigger leagues. He almost got a move to Fenerbahce, I think. Uh, That didn't happen. Uh, but there's still time for him. He's a quasi player. And as you've said, I think uh, Santa Clara will be around the bottom end of the table. Uh, They might escape relegation. You see, uh, and you obviously know Portuguese football, you know how tricky it is to be in that end of the table. Um, You win a couple of games in a row and you go from the 18th position to the 13th or 12th. So Santa Clara could if they win a couple of games in the um, the upcoming weeks, they could find themselves
0: relatively safe, but I think they'll struggle for most of the season. Absolutely agree with that. I think Santa Clara are going to be lucky to stay up and avoid relegation. Uh, Now, getting into what, shall we say, the main course um, of today's episode... I, I obviously, as I was saying, Joao is a big Famalicau fan, uh, lived in Famalicau pretty much his, his entire life, apart from yep. these past few months in Lisboa. Um, so I wanted to have Joao on for a while to discuss Famalicão because, you know, for me, they have been one of the biggest disappointments in Portugal this season. I think that um, I would not consider Santa Clara a disappointment personally. Obviously they've been they've had a huge decline from last season, but looking at the departures that they've had, I it's hard to expect more. So I would put Famalika as one of the biggest disappointments so far, alongside Paso Stefra as well as Moranch. Um I don't know if, if you'd agree with that as well, but you know, for me it, it has been very, very very bizarre. I mean, this is a squad that should be competing for European football, and yet uh then, kind of bizarre. So, you know, Friday's match between Famalicão and and uh, and Estoril Praia, it, it was very interesting because going into this match, you know, after the fun, after this fun little match between Vitória and Santa Clara, you had a feeling that this could be the final match for both managers because Bruno pinheiro after a phenomenal start to the campaign for Estoril, for this newly promoted Estoril side. Looked very close to taking the Besiktas job. Obviously, Besiktas, a club that regularly plays in European competition, a club that has a much higher budget, um, a historic club, it would be hard to blame him for leaving Estoril and taking that job with Besiktas. Ivo Vieira, on the other hand, uh, caught in plenty of pressure after three consecutive defeats uh, uh, between Portimonense, Gil Vicente, and Benfica that saw Famalicão. Uh, concede 11 goals and score just one, so a lot of pressure on EVO, not so much pressure on Piniello. But you did get the sense that you know, e- even if Ishchordil, if if Istorio were to win, and this could very well be the final match for both managers. Uh, <laughs> so so th- there, we've set the stage. Okay, now Fomalicao, I thought did something quite quite interesting. They've they've done something where. You know, I, I've been I've been saying that they should experiment with uh for, for quite some time. They went with a back three. Now, Joao can get into the specifics more, uh, but for the most part, Malikau have gone with a back four pretty much every single game this season. I I personally do not remember the last time Malikau went with a, a back three. Um, but going yeah, going with a back three, which I thought was quite interesting. Richelli. Alexander Penetra and Dylan Babutinska playing as that back three with Adrien Marin uh, and Hernan de la Fuente as wingbacks. I guess you could call it a back five if you'd like, uh, depending on the positioning. Um, we saw Bruno Rodriguez and Pedro Brzao operating in midfield alongside Pepe. well as Ghanaian midfielder Lawrence Ofori, who I believe had his first start, um, first appearance maybe, for Malikowski since... I think, what, February 2020? It's been quite a while. And, of course, Simon Bonza, uh, who we'll get into in, in a little bit, starting at center forward. Nothing much, uh, not, nothing really different with the Storial side, but it, it was interesting to see Evo going with that uh, new formation. Talk to me a little bit about, about that formational change as well. What did you think of it? Do you think that could be potentially a long-term uh, solution? For Malika, going forward, what, what did you make of, of that performance, how they did? Well, um,
1: I'm not sure if you remember, but the last time Malikão played with a back three or a back five, depending on how you look at it, uh, it was when Silas was our manager. It didn't go well at all. So. Um, when Ivo came, um, there was this question on whether he would uh, keep the back three or implement like a 4-3-3, for example. He he went for the 4-3-3, obviously. Uh, he got results straight away, so there's not much to say about that. But at the moment, uh, or in the last uh, match days, Famalicão lost and lost by a lot of goals. It's not just... Oh, we could have won. No, uh, we we consider like 11 goals in three games or something stupid like that. So um, we obviously needed to fix our defense and all credit to Ivo to try the, the back five. Um, he didn't really have time to train uh, properly uh, how he should have been because it's difficult for managers to implement a new a system uh, in only a week. It can work sometimes. Uh, Formally, Khan could have easily uh, won that match. Uh, they didn't, so he ended up losing his job. But I think if he had tried that system a couple of weeks earlier, um, maybe he could have achieved some results. But the truth is, uh, I think the main reason... Why he he opted to to change to a back three or back five was to simply to have an extra man. But Formolikam didn't uh, exactly defend that much better, in my opinion. I think uh, Formolikam obviously had the advantage of having an extra body uh, in the defensive line, and obviously that helps a lot with uh, covering other players uh, with that safety itself it gives to to the whole team really. Um, but it wasn't an organized team, and when you're not organized, you'll have trouble. Uh, we you can play with a back four, a back three, a back five, if you're not organized. And Fomalhant was not organized at all. Uh, we have actually struggled a lot against Sturil, which is uh, on the other end a very organized side. Brundinier has done an excellent job. Um, as you said, you cannot blame him for if you wanted to take. Uh, the Besiktas job uh, it would be a step up and a deserved step up for him uh, he ended up not going there but uh, at the moment uh, Famalikão is in a very different position obviously if got sacked um, my main concern actually was uh, if will get sacked who are we getting because uh, I'm not sure if I'm the only one who does this but when my manager is in danger of being sacked I go on transfer market and I and I look at the the managers who are free. Uh, maybe it's just me, but <laughs> uh, I didn't look uh, at many managers who could be doing better than EVU was doing at the time. So I was a bit afraid of what Famalikan was going to do if they were to sack Ivo. Uh Well, I was asleep when it did happen, so uh, I got the whole news um, at the same time, so I got the news that Ivo got sacked and I got the news that Rui Pedro Silva got appointed uh, to the new job. Obviously, I couldn't uh, tell you who Rui Pedro Silva was, but since I looked at his face, I, oh, he was Nuno's assistant manager. To be honest, I like this approach of bringing an assistant manager of a manager who has more experience, um, an assistant manager who has been there for a long time and wants to try something new for his career, wants to step up. And to be honest, the family count, they have had uh, a huge success with that before. Uh, As you remember, João Pedro Sousa was Marco Silva's assistant. And well, uh, everyone knows how it went with him. We almost got European football with João Pedro Sousa. Let's hope uh, Rui Pedro Silva can do the same. At the moment, uh, I don't think I can judge him that much because Rui Pedro Silva... um, was an assistant manager. So you don't have a lot of work of him to, to judge him about. Some assistant managers um, are very good at what they do, but they don't have the, the capacity to, to be the main man. Rui uh, Pedro Silva seems to, to be going in the right direction. You've seen some changes in Famalicão's latest game. It ended up um, with Famalicão getting knocked out of the cup. Unfortunately, I'm still I'm still very mad about that. Obviously, um, well I'm used to it really, so it doesn't hurt anymore. Uh, <laughs> but Rui uh, Pedro Silva has shown a bit of progress uh, in relation to what Eve was doing, and interestingly, he didn't opt for a back five. He went for a back four again, and he went much better. Uh, he dropped Netra, who was uh, committing some mistakes. Uh, in the last games. But uh, Dylan Batubinzika and Richelli, who I've been very critical about, but has actually uh, been doing a pretty decent job uh, when he's been called up. Uh, so all credit to him at the moment. The result wasn't nice, but I think Famalican was much better than Uh I just want to point out something. Uh, Ivan Jaime was arguably Famalicam counts i'm not saying better but most capable player um and he was left in the bench for the majority of the matches in the last one or two months which is something that i cannot understand because i can understand if you if you don't like uh, a player like him to be in the middle so you play him from the left for example but if you leave him on the bench uh you're saying you don't need your best player by quite some distance and that's uh that's a very dangerous thing to do and if you if ultimately uh played paid a very high price for doing that um obviously junior our goalkeeper uh has been in a very uh, in very bad form lately for can conceded in pretty much every shot uh that the other team had taken so uh, Junior needs to do better against Portimonense it was the same thing again Uh, Portimonense didn't have a lot of shots on target but they still scored Um, we had a lot of shots but we didn't so that has to change because I think for Malikão is not as bad as the results uh, make it look like I think uh, for Malikão is obviously as you said a big disappointment this season uh, points wise, results wise uh, even if you look at the table we are pretty low in the table uh, but if you look at the exi- the exhibitions we are making uh, I think we should be a bit higher up the table uh, there were some games in which we shouldn't have lost but we ended up losing uh, because we couldn't finish up the, our chances and we ended up making mistakes at the back uh, but other than that I see a relatively bright future Um, obviously remember last January when we signed like 7 or 8 players um, and they are almost all of them they entered in the starting 11 and they made a difference uh, to the end of the season so I'm expecting uh, a couple of players at least to come in in January and, and change the whole thing because it's heavily needed and results are also heavily needed because this team is uh, capable of doing much better and uh, well, I think it will eventually
0: absolutely. here's what I don't get Joe I mean not like how coming off a very poor run of form, uh, they get a draw against one of the best teams in Portugal this season, and that somehow results in Ivo Vieira losing his job. I just don't understand uh the reasoning for that you know it's it reminds me of of a few other managerial sackings in recent years i mean looking at Daniel Fark uh, losing his job as Norwich manager after, I think, picking up the first uh, Premier League victory for, for Norwich in quite some time. Uh, Slavin village is another Premier League manager who, I think, lost his job after drawing to City. I just don't get... Like, for me, when I saw the news that Ivo Vieta was getting sacked, it seemed like right decision, wrong time. I don't understand why Ivo would get the sack after... A positive result. You know, let's agree. It was a positive result for a Fumalikowski side that is, frankly, in crisis. Uh, switching up to a back three. I, I just don't. I just don't get the timing. Yeah, uh,
1: absolutely. Like uh, the only thing I can think of uh, is that the decision was already made before the game, and uh, even if Fumalikowski wins, even if Fumalikowski loses, Iviar is getting sacked and. If that's the truth, I hope Evo knew it, because if he didn't, I think that is at least disrespectful to him. Uh, You can blame Evo for a lot of things, but you cannot uh, disrespect him. He was always uh, a frontal person, a very honest person, uh, and... Obviously, uh, he doesn't win you games, but uh, Ivo Vieira was one of the few managers I've seen um, as a fan uh, in Famalicão that was respected by basically 100% of our fan base because he was such a, an honest person. He would give his face to the fans if things went wrong. Uh, he would take the blame for himself, uh, even if it wasn't uh, his blame to take. Uh, so he was a very honest person he was a big man a big person um, he didn't deserve what he got I think it's a bit harsh on him but you could also say it was it uh, was needed uh, and you saw that for Malikão uh, in the in the last game against Portimo showed a the different attitude the different uh, willing to to win and that's something that they were not getting with Ivo uh, I agree with you. It was not the um, the best timing. I thought the best timing was actually uh, right before uh, the Benfica game. But also, so uh, getting a new manager when you're facing Benfica in a couple of days uh, is not very good for your team. Usually, it's not very good for the manager. Uh, your kind of burning game already. Uh so I get why they waited. I didn't get why they waited till the the studio match. I think they should have sacked Ivo uh before that and they should have given um the new manager Rui Pedro Silva um the job right after right before the game actually. Uh, But yeah I agree with you As as I've said before. I was sleeping when I wake up when I woke up Uh, I saw both news, Uh, so Rui Pedro Silva was appointed and Ivo got sacked, so it was obviously a surprise for me. I was actually expecting him to get sacked if we had lost that game, but uh, knowing we we would draw that game, I didn't see why, I didn't really understand it at the time, but I guess it was something that needed to be done sooner or later.
0: Absolutely. Uh it seems like we are back to square one. Evo VA came in uh to the smalling side in March uh with the club bottom of the table, led them to a very respectable run of form that saw them even challenging for European football at the end of the season. But you know that that's that's over with and young. So it is a shame I do think Evo will get a good job uh in, in Portugal or even abroad. We'll see what happens with that. Um, but you know, moving on to 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 what's next for Malikau, Not just talking about their manager, because you know, looking back to last January, because Malikao had had a very poor start to season last season, and and I would say that their business in the January transfer window uh, helped turn that turn the club's form around, bringing in Manuel Ugarte, who we'll talk about a lot uh, later on, uh, from from Phoenix in Uruguay bring in the likes of, I think, Ipo, uh Provin Pinagre from Wolves, and an absolutely massive signing uh, for them. Pepe from Olympiakos, Eriberto Tavares, Bozidar, Kaev, Diogo Figueira, Alexander Getsch, you know, a very good transfer window that I think was, was key to turning clubs around. What do Famalicau need to do in January to, to fix this club's uh, poor run of form to, to get them out of this crisis. We know that Fomalikau's owner has a decent amount of uh, pocket money to play with. What would you expect Fomalikau to do in the transfer?
1: So, first of all, I think, as I've said, we need a couple of players. I don't expect us to sign 10 or 11 players like we did last season. Uh, but I do think uh, we'll sign a relatively good number of players to make a difference right now because that's the only point of signing them at the moment. Uh, If it's not to make a difference at the moment, there's no point. I do think uh, last season was a bit of a strange case because with COVID, I think uh, what the club was trying to do was to have a bigger squad to play with. So uh, even if some players were infected, we could have a, a relatively competitive side to play with. So I kind of get that. Uh, but this season, I don't think we'll buy that much. But I do think we'll buy players. Um, position wise, I think we need a goalkeeper to compete with Junior. Uh, the second goalkeeper has been Dalberson, but he's not, he's completely out of these depths in my opinion uh, it doesn't have the quality to be in Primera liga any or anywhere near that zlobin is a very good goalkeeper in my opinion but for some reason uh if we had never trusted him he's been playing for the under 23s a couple of times i would like to to see him um, playing again for us uh, i think he deserves a chance when he arrived, he made a few mistakes. And obviously, when you are a goalkeeper, you can't really afford to make mistakes because your team will concede goals. Um, but yeah, I think he's not that bad and he, he should have been given another chance. But since he doesn't really count in terms of uh, competing for the number one spot, I think we should get a new goalkeeper to compete with Junior. Uh as I've said Junior is not in the best form. Uh, he's been conceding a lot. He's not been making very good saves. Uh, he didn't save a penalty in the penalty shootout against Sporting Munez. So I think he needs competition at least. Not saying that he needs someone to take his place uh, clearly but he needs someone who will compete with him for that place and will require him to be at the highest level to play week in week out. I also think we could use a right back. Um, Diogo Figuer is injured at the moment. I'm not sure for how long he will be injured for. I don't think he's been good enough. He started the season fairly well, but <laughs> lately he's not been very good. Hernán de la Fuente uh, is considerably, considerably uh, better attacking-wise with the ball. He's very good. Uh, he wants to attack a lot defensively. He lacks something. Uh, so I think I can see us going for a right back. Uh, center backs, if we were going to stay with the back three, uh, we should need more players. But if it's a back four, we are fine. Left back, uh, Adrian Martin, that, uh, has made that spot his. So we don't need that either. What we do need, in my opinion, is a center midfielder. Because obviously our main starters in the midfield are uh, Pikel, P- uh, Pepe, and Ivan Jaime or Brazão as the number ten. But the truth is, we don't really have uh, <laughs> we don't really have an option if Pepe and Pikel are not available or uh, if they are not the best option for that specific match. Uh, and we've seen that before because David Tavares. Uh, is not good enough to play regularly, in my opinion. Offorty, uh, is not good enough to play regularly, in my opinion. Uh Andrea Ricardo is another uh he's more of a number 10, but he's not been playing as well. Uh Benny for the from the under 23 is Bernardo Silva, uh who came from Fine Art, uh will be um we'll be going to the first team squad uh, in january i think uh, but i also don't think he's like a, a solid option uh, so i think it's crucial that we sign a number 8 uh, a center midfielder because uh, both pickle and pepe are better as a as a number 6 but we don't really have a good number 8 so if we were going to sign anyone um and i think we are is a number 8 a goalkeeper and if we if we can, a right back or maybe another striker, because uh, Pedro March has been uh, out of form a lot. He's been with injuries. Uh, he's not played much this season. Uh, when he played, he didn't look bad at all. Uh, and Banza has been amazing, probably our best player. Um, but yeah, I think we should sign two or three players and... I think if we sign them, they should have the quality to start easily.
0: Absolutely. I'll be honest, I'm surprised you did not mention the centre-back because I do think that center the center of defence is one is another big issue for Cow. I haven't been that convinced with uh, Penetra, Alex Nascimento, Richelli um, and uh, Dylan Babutinska. Yes, there's potential there, but I, I feel like they might need more of a perhaps a senior voice. Obviously, they tried to get in Bruno uh, Alves in the summer. That didn't work out for obvious reasons. Um, I, I don't know if they would potentially call back Yoko Kero. She's not playing much at Real Valladolid, the lead. But I don't know. I think they might need center back. Just real quick, before we move on uh, to another club, this isn't going to be a, a, a soul from podcast. Um, I'm, what, what have you made of Simon Bonsa? I would arguably, I would say he's arguably been uh, your best signing and, and a phenomenal striker so far. Talk to me a little bit about Simon Bonza. Yeah, uh,
1: first of all, let me just um, uh, comment on that Diokoro thing. I think he's a. Uh, is a good prospect, but he would not fix our issues. As you've said, if we were to sign anyone, it would be someone to have a strong voice at the back, someone with a bit more experience. And Diok uh, lacks experience, clearly. Uh, he's not been playing much at Valladolid because he doesn't have that experience. He's been making mistakes after mistakes. Uh, and as a centre-back... Uh, Same thing with the goalkeeper. You can't really afford to make those mistakes. Otherwise, you'll pay uh, a very hard price. Um, So, Simon Banza has been, in my opinion, our best player this season, let alone our best signing. Uh, He's been the striker we were missing since we sold Tony Martinez to Porto. Uh, He's good um, turning his back to the goal. He's good um, connecting with the teammates. He's good. He's a brilliant finisher. Um, you can simply uh, shoot it up, and he will probably pick up the shot and uh, play it to someone else. He would. He's very good. Uh, and apart from being very good, he's a very complete striker. Uh, he's. He seems intelligent. He's strong. Uh, he's not the fastest, but he doesn't need to be. Uh, He's a brilliant finisher, as I've said. He's one of the top scorers uh, in the league, which is really something if you consider our position and the table and how many goals we actually scored. Um, sadly, he's not our player. He's on loan from Lens, from Liga, And I think it's pretty hard for us to keep him. I believe we do have a, an option to buy, but it's pretty high and... I don't think we will have the capacities to to buy him permanently. I would love to to see formally do it because, as I've said, I think uh, we will struggle a lot trying to find someone to to fill his boots. Uh, he's everything you you want in a striker, and if Vieira wants uh, your wants his striker uh, to be strong, to be able to be an option um, for long balls to be able to be good uh, in the air, to be able to, to go back and connect to these teammates, to finish. And Banza can do it all. So, obviously, you when you bring together uh, a manager and this ideal type of player, uh, things usually go well. And they did for Simon Banza and Vieira. Obviously, Vieira now got sacked. But uh, for Banza, things were going pretty well. Unfortunately, he missed one of the penalties against Portimonez, uh, which ultimately resulted in Fomalicão losing that match. But I do think he's been not only our best player, but one of the best strikers in the league this season.
0: For sure, for sure. Uh, Fomalicão, you know, picking up a draw against the Storiel, then uh, taking on portimonense at home. And uh, losing on penalties, despite playing with a man advantage for 70 minutes after Eilton Boamorch's Boamwuch, red card, Portimonense. I want to talk about this team a little bit. I mean, sixth in the league, despite drawing two newly promoted Aruka. Um I think they've been very solid so far this season, and, and I think there's a lot of praise to go around. You know, despite losing top scorer Beto to Udinese on the final. Of the transfer window, they've been fantastic. And one player, one player who I think uh, deserves a lot of praise, who's, who's been really one of the one of the unsung heroes of this team, has been a Brazilian center back by the name of Pedro. Pedro, uh, you know, spending the past season at relegated side Nacional, uh, had previously played for I think. Uh, America Mineiro and and Palmeiras and, and and I think has been one of the best center backs in Portugal this season. He's always caught my eye, uh, 24 years old, and and seems to have really uh, done quite well in this system. Just a quick read on his stat line against Malikau, playing on the middle of, of Paulo Sergio's back three, six clearances, one clearance offline, three interceptions, four tackles, six out of eight ground duels one. Uh, He's been absolutely massive for them. And I I do think that he could be set to get a big move. Talk to me a little bit about Pedro. Pedro, What have you made of him so far?
1: So, uh, Pedro, uh, I I agree with you. He's been one of the best centre-backs in the league. And he's not been uh, a centre-back that has has been uh, one of the most talked about. So, let's say... uh, even if he if he has been one of the best, uh, people don't really give him the credit uh, or the the credit that they should be given to him at least. Uh, obviously, Portimonense are not a very attractive side, but they do get the results, and you have to give them credit for it. Uh, Paul Saggio is doing a very very good job considering the resources he has. Uh, considering the squad he has he's doing a very very good job um they usually play in a low block Uh, they are very strong in transitions Uh, they have fast players up front they have fabrizio up front uh, the striker uh, who can be an option for long balls and then uh, play it to the wingers who are uh, fast as hell (laughs) honestly They obviously have other players like Shoya Nakajima, who is on loan from Porto, who is brilliant technically, uh, who can win a game on his own um, if he's on a good day. Uh, So I can see Porto Ibnals getting very far. Uh, If Bruno Pinheiro uh, were to leave, I would say they would uh, fight very hardly for that fifth spot spot. Um, As Bruno Pinheiro is saying, I think Sturil will edge it, but Portimunez will be up there for most of the season. Uh, Obviously, Pedrão has been one of the best players. Uh, Paulo Sérgio's system uh, suits him perfectly. uh, That low block and a back three, obviously, Um, it makes the centre-backs usually, at least. look better than they actually are. Uh, Not saying Pedrón is not a very good centre-back because he's shown that he is. And you've mentioned uh, he played for Nacional last season. I actually uh, rated him very highly at Nacional because not only uh, did he he prove to be good uh, defensive-wise, but also with the ball. Uh, In portugui they don't ask him that much to be um, that active with the ball, that ball playing center back that he could be, uh, but he definitely has the capacity for that. Uh, I also uh, have to say that William, uh, William Rocha, the other center back from Portimonios, has been doing r- really well. Uh, Mufi has been doing really well. The right back from Morocco was playing for Tondela. He's a beast. He's so strong. Um, well, uh, they all fit Paul Sergio style, and when you have a group of players that fit their manager's style, things usually go well. Uh, it it is undoubtedly uh, Portimonense's case. Um, you could also see them uh, going for uh, some weird players because that's what they do usually. They either sign uh, Brazilian players or players from Japan, for example, and players for. From Japan usually turn out to be good. They have a few interesting players in their under-23 side as well that could come into the team and uh, make a difference. Uh, but yeah, I do see them uh, for the rest of the season uh, as one of the teams that will compete for most of the championship uh, for the European places. I'm
0: not going to put you on the spot right now, but I, I do want to get your uh, your team of the mid season at some point because for me I think that Pedro might crack uh, my team of the season in Portugal so far. Obviously you've got guys such as Luis Diaz and Rafa, but uh, you know I, I'm I'd be curious to hear what what your team season is so far. Um, moving on, moving on. We've talked about Fortimonde, we talked about Fumalica. Let's talk about let's let's talk a little bit about the uh, top ranking side. In Portugal right now, which is Sergio Conceição's Porto. Okay, yes, they they failed to make the Champions League round of 16, which is a is is a big disappointment for a club like Porto with the European pedigree of the of 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 Conceição's side. Especially when you got two of your biggest rivals making it. Um, but looking past Europe, looking past Europe, they have been pretty much spotless in domestic competition uh, looking at i mean looking at their form taking away the european competition okay yes they, they lost to santa clara in the tasca de liga um, in, in back in october since then they've beaten portimonense they've beaten santa clara beaten Ferench in the tasca de portugal beaten vitória de Gemaraes, beaten portimonense uh, beaten braga beaten joao in the tasca de liga and then defeating vizela for nothing uh, at, at Vizella. So, you know, obviously, I think Vizella is going down to 10 men uh, right after halftime with Guilherme Schettin's red card. But uh, overall, another convincing performance from Porto. Um, Luis Diaz, Luis Diaz continuing his fantastic run of form. Uh, Otavio as well, doing, doing fairly well with the goal and an assist. Um yeah, you know, a strong result from Porto. Uh you know, Gizella are not the obviously not the toughest team to beat, but you can only beat what's in front of you. And it, it does seem like Porto are just are just clicking on all cylinders um ahead of next week's or I guess ahead of Ahead of tomorrow's, what am I saying? Tomorrow, uh, tomorrow's match in the Test of Portugal against Benfica. Obviously, it is a cup match, but uh, still going to be very, very intriguing. What are your expectations going into this match against uh, Benfica? Let's not forget, a week after tomorrow's match in the toss of Portugal, uh, we've got another class to go between Porto and Benfica. This time in league play. So talk a little bit about these two matches, uh, going to be absolutely mouthwatering. What What are your expectations going into these two?
1: Well, to be honest, I would be very surprised if Porto didn't win both matches. I think, uh, they're in considerably better form, uh, comparing to Benfica, obviously. Uh, and I also think that, uh, mentally wise, anemically wise, uh, they are much better benfica has been benfica's a mess right now uh George jesus could be leaving could be staying um there has been a lot of um a lot of shuffling uh, in the media about him uh people don't know if he wants to go to flamengo if he wants to stay at benfica um he obviously has is not the best communicator he's known for that but um Pedrinho, uh, who was actually uh, playing for Benfica last season, now uh, at Shakhtar, uh, said that he was not the best motivator. He would uh, scream at his players during training. He would uh, tell them not to not to do uh, something else. So he would scream at them if they didn't do uh, exactly what he wanted. Uh, and obviously that kills their confidence. Uh, I'm not sure at what point uh, it will affect the Benfica team. Um, Obviously, they are professionals. They shouldn't uh, be affected that much, but I think Jorge Jesus will be affected. Uh, And on the other side, or on the other end, should I say, Sergio Conceição is brilliant in big games. He didn't go through in the... um, the Champions League group, but he was very close to, to doing so. Uh and I think he will go very far in the in the Europa League because uh those are the kind of games in which he's absolutely magnificent. Magnificent uh tactically in those games, strategically uh he's very very good. And he he almost kills the opponent before the game even started. Uh and apart from that, as you said, Porto has been flawless in the league. Um, Vitinha has been amazing. Taremi has been amazing. Otávio is a brilliant player as well. Uh, and of course, Luis Diaz, uh, the player of the season, by quite some distance. Uh, and Benfica will have a very hard task uh, dealing with all of them. Uh, Benfica is also um, does also have some players. On very good form, Rafa, for example, uh, and even Darwin. Uh, Darwin is not a very tactically gifted player. Uh, However, he's been scoring lots of goals. And that's ultimately what you want from a striker. Uh, He'll struggle against Porto, but I think he can make a mark because Porto obviously will play uh, with a higher line and Darwin can benefit from that. He's a player who likes to attack the spaces in behind and... If Jorge Zuji is smart enough, and I think it will be, to um, make Darwin attack those spaces and play balls into those areas, uh, he has players like João Mario, and even Weigel with the capacity to to do so. I think they will be able to work Porto, but Porto is much better, a much better team in my opinion, uh, because all of those things that have been happening in the past few weeks and the past few days as well, because Befica is also. Um, well, uh, it's where the all the spotlights are pointing at because George Zuch, uh is still a question mark at the moment. Uh, we are not sure if he will leave to Flamengo. Today there was some kind of a war on social media because uh, some people were saying he was leaving, some people were saying he was, was staying, but not very clear. Benfica was not very clear either. Uh, uh, what What is confirmed is that he met uh, the Flamengo board and that uh, by itself is very, uh, very dangerous for Benfica because if your manager uh, one or two days away for, from a big game is meeting with another club's owners, uh, I think you should be preoccupied and Benfica are most definitely uh, very worried about that situation. Let's see how it goes tomorrow.
0: Absolutely. Segwaying me into my next question, um, you know, we've talked a little bit about in in season, this season. We've talked a lot about what is Benfica's best attack because they have spent an enormous amount of money on their attack uh, over the past few seasons since since Jorge Jesus came in, and even with you know Pedrinho um, and and Luca Walshman leaving just one year after after arriving to the Estádio Luz. Got a wealth of options in attack, uh, such so much so that likes so, of you know Rodrigo Pino, who was one of the league's top scorers last season for Maricho, uh, has barely played. Um, the Gonzalo Ramos, a top top talent, has barely played as well. Let's take a look at the 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 attacks that 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 Benfica have gone with since the start of December against Sporting and the loss against Sporting. They went, George Jesus went with front three of Rafa Silva, Everton Cebolinha. And Darwin Nunez. Obviously, that resulted in a 3-1 loss uh, against Dynamo Kiev. A crucial match to to seal their progression into the round of 16. Went with Krafa Silva, Roman uh, Yaramchuk, and he's okay. That resulted in a 2-0 win. Famalicão 4-1 win uh, saw Darwin Nunez back in the starting lineup and 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 getting a hat trick uh, on the on the left side of attack. Harris Ferovic. Um, starting at center forward, and Rafa Silva, once again. You can discount the Colvilia match uh, against the because obviously. So that was a lot of heavier rotation. But Benfica's recent 7-1 victory against Maricimo saw a uh, front three of Rafa Silva, Roman Yaremchuk, Darwin Nunes. That resulted in a 7-1 victory against a Maricimo side that had been doing fairly well, uh, beating de Stupeda and Santa Clara, as well as drawing Tupo Avista. I'm curious, what do you think, you know, two matches over the span of a week, I, I don't think that Jorge Jesus will be rotating for either of them, given the fact that, you know, you, they're not going to be playing once every uh, three or four days, right? you got a week a week to rest. So assuming no injuries, assuming no suspensions, I think that Jorge Jesus is going to go with as a strongest seed. What do you think uh, his front three is going to be for, for these matches, draw?
1: Well, uh, as I've said earlier, Benfica can really benefit from having Darwin uh, up front. Not necessarily up front, but in, in the front three. Uh, because, as I've said, Porto is a team that likes to play with a very high uh, back line. And Darwin is a very quick player. He's not technically gifted. He struggles in tight spaces, but when he does have the space to do so, uh, he excels at it. So running in behind is a, is a threat. Definitely. So I think he will play. I think Rafa is Benfica's best player uh, by submargin this season. So I think he will also play. Uh, I'm not certain about who the third man will be. Uh, I would say it will be either uh, Everton, Cebolinha or Yaremchuk. They are very different players, obviously. So it depends on um, what's the strategy that Jorge Zuz. Uh, is going far for these matches uh, Yaremchuk will let Darwin um, a bit more f- will Will let him be more free basically, it will give him the freedom to attack the spaces in behind, not, cons- not being concentrated with uh, being that uh, main striker, that main number 9, that target man that Yaremchuk can be and is very good at being to be honest so uh, Yaremchuk would be my choice, I think. But Everton Solinha, uh on his day, is a brilliant footballer. Um, sadly, he's not been a brilliant footballer many times for Benfica since he arrived. Uh, you would expect him to be more often. I, th- I think in Brazil, he was one of the best players in the league. So you would expect him to be much better uh, for Benfica than what he has been. Uh I would insert him. I would go for Yaremchuk uh, on the middle, uh, Darwin from the left, and Rafa uh, starting in the right-wing position. I think it's their best front three for this game in uh, specifically. And obviously, uh, it's like a double match. So uh, um, it can change from one game to another uh, depending on how the first game goes. But I think Befica will line
0: up at least in the first game, with uh, Darwin, Yaremchuk, and Haffa. Absolutely. Very, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, and, yeah, Tasa de Liga, you've got Benfica taking on, uh, Boavista, whereas Sporting are going to go up against Santa Clara. So, it'll be interesting to see what happens uh, with regards to that potential there, there is the potential, though, for for Benfica um, and 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 Sporting to get quite a few trophies. So we'll see what happens. Uh, Tasa de Portugal, on the other hand, Porto taking on Porto taking on Benfica and going to be what's going to be a fantastic fixture. Bezela going up against Braga, Huav uh, against Benedita, Mafra going up against Moreirense, uh, Casafia taking on Sporting later today, and uh, we've we've also seen. Leysa defeating Tarej, moving on to the quarterfinals uh, on penalties. Portimaninic, of course, uh, edging Fimalikau on penalties. And Tondela picking up an, a win against uh, Estorio Praia. So, good win for Tondela. Um, Tondela, who have have been have had three straight losses to Sporting, Vitória de Guimaraes, and Pasos to we I want to talk a little bit about this Pasos to Feira match because, uh, you know, Coming in, uh, both both teams fairly struggling uh, for form for form and results. Uh, Pasos uh as we mentioned in the last leadership episode, have been one of the biggest disappointments so far, and in, in, and that ended up resulting in George Simão uh, to lose his job. Pasos then, you know, having a big managerial saga. Who's going to be the guy? Who you know is it going to be Ricardo Sapinto? Going to be João Pedro Sousa? Who's it going to be? Uh, they eventually ended up appointing Cesar Peixoto and uh, starting off uh, fairly well under Peixoto Paso Cerpeda with a one nothing victory against Tondela, um, that saw a penalty from Danielson and uh, giving giving the edge to Pasto Cerpeda. should be noted that you know Tondela had twelve shots, to pasos as nine. 54% possession to uh, is 46, nine shots on target uh, to Pazos is five, but still picking up an important victory uh, for for the Beavers. Going up against Santa Clara next on December 30th, then uh, matches against Benfica and Famalicao and Boavista. Talk to me a little bit about your expectations for this Passos side under Peixoto. What do you think really needs needs to change for them to get back to where they were last season and, and fighting for European football. I'm
1: actually very interested to see how Cesar Peixoto does with Paso de He's someone who I think uh, does have very interesting ideas about football, uh, but has struggled when he was, uh, well, when, whenever he got a chance, he struggled to get good results. Uh, obviously, he's like a public figure in football, in Portugal, not only because uh, because of his managerial experience, because of his uh, coaching, uh, car- uh, because of his playing career as well, uh, and other things. So, um, he's a big name. Uh, will he be up to the task? I think that it will be interesting to see him have uh, the resources Passo has, because um, although it's not the best side in the league or not even remotely close to that, it does have some very interesting players. Um, they have Stefan Eustáquio, who somehow didn't leave this season. Uh, I think he will leave soon, but how he's still in playing for passes is almost a miracle for the Beavers. So um, it will be very interesting to see how they do. Vitorino uh, Antunes, uh, Who played for Sporting Uh, is also a very competent player. Uh, Maracash has been a brilliant centre back this season, one of the best in the league, actually. Uh, He he actually has been uh, last season as well under Pepa. They are a very interesting side. Uh, Will they be one of the best teams in the league? Uh, Obviously, excluding uh, those competing for the title. Uh, I'm not sure i think it's still a bit soon to to talk for sure about this past de aside uh because as i've said uh, cesar Peixoto uh is still um someone who's making his first steps into his managerial career uh as i've said i like his ideas i think he's someone uh who can have a pretty decent career but it it didn't start well uh so let's see how it goes i think he does have the the capacity to do so uh, i would give it like two or three weeks to see how they do until then and then i'll obviously i'll be able to give a um, more uh, a better opinion uh, based on those games but from from what i've seen uh from now oh by the way Nunes Sanch, brilliant player as well uh, the midfielder on loan from Benfica. um but yeah, uh, I think they'll be around mid-table for most of the season. Uh, I don't think they'll be in a relegation battle. Uh, I think they will easily sack Sezar Peixoto if he starts getting bad results, which is uh, relatively likely to happen because of his past. But uh, we shall see. Uh, it's a very hard one with us.
0: Absolutely. We'll see what happens with Pasos Um So, Saturday's matches saw so Portimonense sh- share the points with Arruca, Tondela losing to Pasos Rivera from a late penalty from the Nielsen and Sporting taking on Gil Vicente um, in, in, a, in, in a fairly controversial match, I would say. Uh, Pedro Gonzalez getting booked after seven minutes due to time wasting. Kanye Fujimoto taking uh, one, of, one of the standout performers of this Gil Vicente side. Uh, getting sent off in the 12th minute. Then 10 minutes later, Luis Neto getting sent off as well. Both teams down to 10 men by the 22nd minute mark, uh, heading into halftime, 0-0. Uh, but then we saw Nuno Santos, who came on for Pablo Sarabia, um, who came on for Pablo Sarabia, uh, it, you know, in the 31st minute, getting, the, getting scoring for them. Uh, of course, we also saw Pedro Bonsalves uh, having his penalty saved. But Sporting eventually taking a 3 nothing victory uh, from goals from Nuno Santos, Gonzalo Ignacio, and Daniel Braganza. Um, so, you know, adverse circumstances for Sporting and, you know, some, some boneheaded mistakes. I don't think you expect a veteran like Luis Santos to make that mistake. So I think that Ruman Amarine will send that message. We'll have him sit out a few games uh, just, to, just to tell him that, you know, that is not acceptable as a Sporting player. Sporting though, you know, a lot a lot to take from this performance. Daniel Braganza coming off the bench in the seventy-seventh minute um and and having a phenomenal performance really, um, showing just just how good of a player he can be on his day. But that midfield pivot, the midfield double pivot we saw with, with Joao Paulinha uh, still still uh still fairly recovering, uh coming coming Paulina did come off bench and and replace Manuel Ugarte but the starting double pivot was Manuel Ugarte and Mateus Nunes. You, Joao, as a sporting fan, I know you must have a lot to say about quite a few of these sporting players, uh, Pedro uh, Venaga. but I'm curious to hear your thoughts on Manuel Ugarte. He's been, you know, kind of brought into the sporting team amid Paulinho's injury and done quite well, I must say.
1: Yeah, I actually always believed in him and how uh, in in how we would uh, be able to make the jump. Uh, let's say to to Sporting. I think his attitude is fantastic. I think he's a very hardworking player. He's a smart player. Uh, he's a very strong player for his age. He looks very experienced, but he's not. So he, it's kind of weird with him because uh, when you see him play, he looks like a thirty-year-old. Someone who's been at the game for years and years and years. And well, uh, the truth is, he has been playing for quite some time now. I think he's made his debut uh, for Phoenix at like 15 or something, which is crazy if you think about it. So he has got some uh, some games under his belt. But the way uh, he's been able to adapt, uh, first from Uruguay to to and then... Uh, from family count to Sporting has been absolutely amazing. Uh, the start was not easy for him at Sporting. He didn't play much. Uh, I think uh, until Palinha got injured, he only had, like, he, he didn't have much minutes. He only started once, I think. Uh, so people were uh, were not very confident about him. But the truth is, uh, since Palinha got injured, he made it that spot he is. And even with Palinha coming back, I think he will have to to work a lot uh, to play again because Ugarte has been absolutely amazing. Uh, I'm very happy for him. Obviously, we still have, uh, Famalicão uh, still has um, a part of his, uh, of his economic right. So if he gets sold, uh, we get a big fee. Uh, Same thing with Pedro Gonçalves, uh, who's not in his best form, but he's a brilliant player, and obviously, I hope Sporting sells him for a lot of millions. Um, Two brilliant players who came from from to Sporting, uh, who have been starting lately and have been one of the best players in the Championship in their positions. Uh, You also mentioned Ruben Vinagre, who is uh, a Different case because Ruben Vinag started the season as a starter for Sporting, and he he was quite good actually. I, I liked his first games, but since he got absolutely destroyed uh, by Anthony and by Ajax, he hasn't been the same. Uh, I think he lost his trust. So until he gets back to to his best, I think it's going to take some time. He's a very capable ball player. Um, I think. Sporting system suits him very well. But at the moment, uh, his confidence is not uh, where it should be. And he does need to to do some work on that department because otherwise he would not be able to compete. Uh, Mateusz Reis, who's been playing in his spot, has been very good, uh, which doesn't help him. But um, yeah, I think he's a, a decent player who, who has the capacity to bounce back. And I hope he does honestly uh going back to garte i'm very happy for him obviously he's been um he's impressed me actually on how uh how, how can i say this how how good he has been with the ball like you wouldn't expect him to be that good he he was like more of a, um, a stealer in that midfield he would steal the ball and pass it to someone else but now he's been Obviously, Sporting has the ball for most of the match. So, it's a bit different. But he's impressed me uh, even more than what I was thinking. So, all credit to him. Uh, He's a very humble person and I think he'll go very far. I think if Sporting continues to to start him, I don't think he will spend much more time in Sporting because other teams will come for him. He's very young. And I think his potential is enormous. So I don't see him staying here for much longer if he keeps playing like that. And obviously, uh, as you mentioned, uh, Daniel Braganza, who came in, is also a brilliant player. Um, Unlike Ugarte, he doesn't really fit Ruban Amorim's system. Um, He would benefit from playing in a midfield three, for example. He's very good on the ball. brilliant on the ball actually um, and whenever he comes on he shows his magic, much like Vitinho was doing when he was not starting now that he's starting, he's changed Sporto completely uh, Daniel Braganza has the same capacity so uh, it's it's always good to see players like him having, uh, playing well and uh, getting recognised by, by their quality in this league 100% uh,
0: Sporto Top of the table, level on points with Sporting, 41 points from 15 games. Benfica lagging behind them with 37 points from 15 games. Braga, on the other hand, uh, fourth with 28 points. So Braga, shall we say, in their rightful spot in fourth place. Uh, Three points ahead of Estorio and four points ahead of Portimonense. Vitoria just uh, a little behind them, six points behind Braga. And going up against the bottom place team in Portugal, Belenensad. Uh so you know Belenens Saad going up with against against Praga in, in a in a match where uh, they they were, you know, obviously desperate to pick up points um, with the new manager Philippe Candido and Braga taking a one nothing win from a goal from Francisco Mora. And not much in the way of surprises. Braga having sixty percent possession, eighteen shots to and sod six. Um so you know, I, I think that's uh not not much in the way of surprise there. I do want to talk a little bit about Braga's wing back duo though. Um because Jan Couto, nineteen years of age, regarded as one of the biggest talents in Brazil, uh and and coming on loan from Manchester City, done Quite well to, to fill into the right wing back position uh, following Ricardo Escayo's departure to Sporting. Francisco Mora, on the other hand, as well, doing fairly well uh, at 22 years of age. It, you know, Could he potentially uh, bench Wanderson Galeno, who has been out for the past few games? I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens. But talk to me a little bit about this wing back duo.
1: Well, it's quite interesting that two of the two of the best right wing backs in Portugal, uh, they both come from Manchester City on loan, uh, Pedro Pojo and Jan Couto. Uh Jan Cotu is a brilliant player. I'm I'm a big fan of him. I watched him uh I think he was in the under 17 World Cup, might be under eighteen, uh but something like that. Brazil won and he was brilliant in that team, uh, one of their best players. Uh, that's when he got the move to Manchester City. And I was so happy when I saw that he was coming to Braga because uh he would undoubtedly be one of the best right backs in the league. Uh when Braga plays, uh well Braga uses very attacking uh fullbacks, so uh it obviously uh, suits his style perfectly because he's brilliant uh when when his team has the ball. On the other side, uh, Francisco Moura. Uh, And you mentioned Galeno. They're pretty different players. Galeno is more of a forward that's been playing out wide sometimes because he has the capacity to do so, and other players are playing uh, in his position up front. Uh, So I think he will hardly bench Galeno, but he'll probably move in forward if he gets more playing time. Francisco Moura was actually one of the biggest talents in Portugal until he got uh, a. really bad injury. Uh, he made it, made him stop for a long time. So sadly, uh, he didn't, uh, he didn't keep progressing, um, the same way he was, but now that he's back, uh, he's back to his best undoubtedly. And he's been very, very good. Um, uh, we should see, we should say, um, that Braga had a very, comp- a very good, uh, fullback duo in Nuno Siqueira and Ricardo Gaio. Uh, and in such a short amount of time, they've managed to, to find their successors. Uh, all credit to Braga, all credit to Carlos Carvalho and his team, because they're doing so well with these young players, because they're very young, both of them. I think they're both 19, actually. Um, and it, uh, That's it. You have to give them credit. I don't think they'll stay in Braga for for a long time. Uh, same thing I've said about, about Ugarte. Um, yeah, they're very good. Uh, good thing that you mentioned them. Uh, talking about Braga in general, uh, people have talked about Braga as um, a team that is considerably worse than the big three, and fairly so. They're not in up to the standards. Their goal is to compete with the those three clubs, but they just don't have the facilities for that. They don't have the capacity to for that. And so they should be happy uh, to, to finish fourth this season um, there actually has been some talk about Carlos Carvalho leaving the club I think he's a very good manager I'm not sure who could who they could find uh, well now if Vieira is available so maybe they'll go for him if Carlos Carvalho leaves because Flamengo uh, Flamengo's board is in Portugal looking for a manager and they won't leave without one and George uh, Zoujo obviously their main target but Carlos Calvali is also a, a very a very valid option for Flamengo, and I think he's interested in in the job. So we could see him leaving Braga in the upcoming weeks. Uh, let's see how that turns out to be. But, uh, but the, that fullback duo, Yan Cotto and Francisco Moura, uh, uh, is like so those duos where where you think well you you just gotta follow this kid because you know they're they're going straight to the top, especially Ian Colt. Francisco Moro. I have to see more from him, but i, I from what I've seen he's been brilliant uh, so yeah, I think Braga uh, has two very good players in Francisco Mora and yko
0: absolutely um so with with regards to Bel and, Ipsa, before we move on to pangan do you think? With regards to Bellingham's side and Felipe Candido's side, uh, is there any hope for them to stay up in Portugal's top flight?
1: Well, they don't have fans. They don't have a very good structure. Uh, They don't have one of the best squads in the league. They have some interesting players, as uh, any team does in Portugal. Uh, But I think they'll find it very hard to win games they'll play for mali council uh two teams that are fighting for points uh, to save their lives uh, it will be interesting but um yeah blened is having a, a rough time this season uh i would be very surprised if they didn't get relegated because um obviously flip Candido uh is a is someone with no managerial experience in the top flight uh Petit did have that experience and I think letting Petit go was a big mistake by the, the Boulness Um I don't see a bright future for them. Um, I can see them winning some matches, obviously, uh, they're not that bad, but they'll struggle a lot during the season. Philip Candid will probably not last that long either. Uh, so yeah, I I think uh, Boulness will struggle for almost the remainder of the season and, uh, and will probably end up in Sunda Liga.
0: Petit, as you mentioned, getting s- sacked, uh, in October as Belen and Saad manager. I did think that was a bit harsh given the fact that he, he kept them up, did fairly well with limited resources last season, but getting sacked by Belen and Saad in October, taking over as Wavis, the manager at the start of December, uh, getting a draw against Maricimo, losing 2 nothing to Sporting, and uh, picking up two very impressive results with a 5-1 victory against Braga in the Tassa de Liga, as well as a 1-0 win against Monrich. Uh So, you know, talk to me a little bit about uh, this this Boavista side under Petit. I mean, I think that uh, Joao Pedro Sousa was doing fairly well there, but uh you know, we'll we'll see what happens with, with his situation. He left Boa uh to accept a lucrative offer, still has has kind of wound up in purgatory there, hasn't hasn't taken the offer yet. But Petit stepping in and, and doing fairly well with a squad uh filled, filled with a lot of really interesting talented players such as Peter Musa, Reggie Cannon, Nathan Santos, Giannis Hamach who grabbed the goal against Monarch. Um, I'm curious, what are your thoughts on, on Petit's impact so far at the Estadio de best?
1: Yeah, uh, changing from João Pedro Sousa to Petit is quite a radical change. Uh, they're totally different managers. Uh, João Pedro Sousa wants to play a, a more positive football, um, a beautiful football, if you want to call it that. Uh, Petit is a more uh, old-style manager, but a very a, a very good one. Uh his results talk for themselves. He's he gets results whenever wherever he goes, basically. Uh, he wasn't getting them at Bulnial Stad, but he didn't really have time to do much more. At Bonneils, she does have a really good team. As you have said, uh they have really interesting players in uh Reggie Cannon, uh Nathan, uh Musa, Peter Musa, uh also players like Vukotic I think are really interesting even Sebastian Pérez um, and Janis Amac uh, is a left back that I really like uh, a French player who's been scoring goals as well um, he's very good attacking-wise, defensive-wise so um, I think Petit will do a good job with Boavista they should be safe this season uh, they should be around mid-table as well uh, but yeah, I, I think it will go well with Petit and Boavista. I think um, it has worked well before. It will go go well again. Uh, Boa, uh, Boa Vista knows Petit, Petit knows Boa Vista. It has everything to go well, and I think it will. Uh, I still want to see something more of some of their players. As I've said, uh, Vukotic, for example, on loan from Benfica, uh, who was one of the best players in, in Segunda Liga when playing for Benfica via uh but now at Boavista, he's not impressed yet uh but he does have the, the quality to do so. So I expect big things from him and from Petit as well uh as Boavista uh look look for, for the rest of the season.
0: Yeah. Petit coming off uh you know a fairly strong run of form with Boavista. Lito Vidigal on the other hand replacing Joao Henriquez as motor ranch manager, uh losing back to back games uh, with one nothing score lines. To Porto and Boavista, what can we expect uh, from Lito Vidigal, uh, the former Maricimo manager, in charge of Monch?
1: Not much. Uh, Lito Vidigal is not known for for playing well, uh, because some teams normally play a more defensive football, but it's a well-worked defensive football. Like Petit, for example, he doesn't play uh, attacking football, but he's very good. uh in his style. Uh it's not even how little Vidigal plays. He struggles in general. Their his teams usually only stand out when they have uh individual players who can make a difference uh when they have the ball defensively uh they are quite compact actually when the whenever they score a goal. Uh, they start wasting time. It's been a, a common theme uh, amongst the Litvidigal Le- sides in the in the last few years. This year, it seems like the same. Muradians, a bit like said, is not one of the best squads in the league. Uh, so it will be a very hard task for, for Litvidigal. I don't think he's the man for the job. I think he will be sacked uh, probably in a month or two. I mean, if he keeps losing, I can see him losing his job. His job in the upcoming weeks because Muradians, uh, like sucking managers, is one of those teams in Portugal uh, that doesn't have much patience when it comes to, to their coaches. Uh, so I don't see Leeds staying for that long. And yeah, they, they'll struggle for the season. Uh, they'll struggle during the season, should I say. And uh, if they don't strengthen their squad in January, um, they will have a hard time staying up and they'll probably end up being relegated. Uh, and that's one of the things that uh, kind of uh, doesn't worry me that much about Famalicão is that even though Famalicão has been uh, quite bad this season, there there are some teams that are even worse. So I don't think Famalicão will get relegated because of that. I see Muriel and going down for for example. I think uh, Aroka, uh, although they're they're doing uh, a relatively good um, campaign this season. They'll end up uh, in the bottom places of the table as well. Uh, I'm not sure if you want to talk about the next, so I won't uh, go any further with them. Uh, so, yeah, these teams in the um, in the bottom end of the table will will struggle a lot this season and it's, it will be interesting to see who goes down. But uh, <laughs> for now, it looks like Mouradians and Blundens will have a very tough time.
0: Absolutely. we will be a very interesting to see what happens with the relegation fight. Without any further ado, we're going to close off today's episode with uh, the Count of the Week section. And I'm going to go with a 23-year-old midfielder who has been one of the biggest sensations in this entire uh, campaign in Liga of Portugal. His name is Andre Franco. You may have heard of him if you have watched. If you've listened to Cortolini. Uh Andre Franco spent pretty much all of his youth career with Sporting's Academy uh, before joining Estoril in 2018, and uh, has been absolutely fantastic for them. Helped, helped them uh, ascend to the Primera Liga last season, and, and has been an absolute sensation under Bruno Pinheiro. I think that Bruno Pinheiro, you know, remaining in charge of Estorio, great news for, for really all neutrals, for anybody who likes to watch good football in Portugal. But above all, I think it's good news for Andre Franco. He's picked up four Man of MASH awards this season against Aruca, Portimonench, Santa Clara, and Famalicão. If you haven't yet, go to the uh, just go to the highlights of the Famalicão-Slorio uh, match and take a look at Andre Franco's assist to Chiquinho. Uh, two of the brightest talents in this Slorio side, Chiquinho and Andre Franco. Uh, it is absolutely. It should, they should hang it up in the Louvre. I mean, just phenomenal placement and uh, precision. He, he's been so good for Islarell, and, and I do think that he has a big move coming uh, if he continues this one. We saw how Miguel Crespo, after a very impressive uh, season uh, to, to lead them to promotion, Miguel Crespo earned a move, uh, earned a move to Benabak. I would expect Andre Franco to even get a, perhaps an even bigger move because he's been fantastic for them. And uh, he has actually one of the highest, uh, in terms of direct participations and goals, one of the highest numbers. Rafa Silva leading the way with 19. Darwin Nunes and Luis Diaz right behind them with 15. Mery Tremi at 12. Ricardo Horta at 11. Andre Franco coming in with 10. Uh, so very impressive from the 23-year-old. Uh, just, you know, I mean, obviously, talked about him a lot on the show. But he's he's just so good, and I think that uh, I I don't know I I would I I wonder if there's potential for a Silasau call up. Um, you know I I think that he might need to take a move soon because Fernando Santos, uh, frankly, does not care about players who are who do not play in the big three in Portugal. But uh, he's been fantastic, and I and against Malacca. I can tell Joao is 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 about to cry right now for <laughs> me telling talking about how good he was. But two assists against Malikau, four key passes, uh three out of four successful dribbles completed. Uh like I said, he's been fantastic for that. What have you made of Andre Frank for Joao?
1: Well, I wish he wasn't so good because we would we would be winning against Sturil probably if it wasn't for him. Uh, You're right, Uh, I was about to cry right now because uh, it's crazy how he changed the game almost by himself. Obviously, Sturil is a very good side, as as you've said, but um, André Franco has been brilliant this season, absolutely brilliant. Uh, When Miguel Crespo left, uh, he obviously took took that leadership from him. It's difficult to explain, but... He looks even better in the Primera Liga than what he looked like in the Segunda Liga, which uh, is kind of weird. And obviously, uh, playing around uh, Francisco Geraldo, for example, Romário Baró, uh, it helps him a lot. And I do think he will get a big move uh, in the near future. I think they will probably get some offers from from him in January. So let's see if he stays for the rest of the season. Obviously, I'd love him to stay because uh, it's fantastic for our league if we can we if we can keep these talents here. Uh, but he's playing so well that uh, I find it very hard that no one's looking for him. So I can see one of the big three actually going for him, or even Braga, um, because. He's just so good. I completely agree with you.
0: Absolutely. Do you have a pick for Talon of the Week, trial?
1: It's sad because I would pick him as well.
0: <laughs> <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, he, he hurt me in, in, in a way that I just couldn't ignore him any, anymore. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I was about to say him as well. Uh, yeah, he's just so good. And I think Studil will have to to give him a pay raise if they want to keep him because obviously they'll get uh, lots of offers from him. And Crespo has moved to Fenerbahce and he can move to a a club of the same size undoubtedly.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. We'll see what happens. Without any further ado, thank you so much, Ralph, for coming on. Always a pleasure to have you on. Definitely uh, first, but but also the first of many. Uh, I I hope to have you on again soon, my friend. Uh, Where can the people find you?
1: uh they can find me on twitter uh at joan Unsoza, uh and then the underline uh yeah uh, you can you can find me on every issue that's related to family account basically I follow, I follow them very closely uh and obviously it's a pleasure to be here uh seeing all the great people that you bring here and now bringing me uh it's a big pleasure i can thank you enough uh, you're such a great guy. You're doing such a brilliant project. So uh, it's always a pleasure to be here with you, and uh, obviously, I hope to come back soon.
0: Thank you so much, my friend. It was a pleasure to have you on. Hope your Fomalik outside turns things around. I have been uh, rooting for them, and it, and I hope that they can turn things around. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning on. Make sure to follow Joao on social media, and uh, we'll definitely be having Joao back sooner rather than later. Um, but yeah, thank you so much, everybody. Merry Christmas. And, uh, and we, we see, I hope you guys tune in for next week's episode. Uh, and yeah, make sure to subscribe, leave a comment and, uh, yeah. Thank you once again.